We are going to energize the country. We need to wake up and smell the coffee. No more Mr. Nice Guy. Another future is possible, but we've got to fight for it. Order! Hello and welcome to the debated podcast. As always, I'm your host, Will. And in this episode, the second of our local election winners specials, I'm delighted to be joined by a former guest, in fact, one of the people who's been on the podcast uh, perhaps more than anybody else, uh, recently elected as a Labour councillor for Unsworth, Nathan Baroda. Welcome once again back to the podcast, Nathan. Thank you so much, Ronald. Thanks for all, all the help you've given in, in, in giving me a profile and a platform and hope that, that pays on in my election. <laughs> Well, hopefully it, uh, it was the thing that um, swung it for you. So the first question that I'd like to ask is what made you decide to stand for this particular council seat? So it's in the town in which I've grown up and, and lived all my life. Um, I just wanted to give something back really to the community. Um, so one of the councillors was standing down, a guy called David Jones, who's given a lot, um, done a brilliant job. And I thought, you know, that'd be a chance for me to, to succeed him and... Um, share my vision for the area with, 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 with residents and uh, speak to them and just build dialogue and, and, and help extend the Labour Party's reach within the ward and um, really give something back to the community which I've, I've gained so much from uh, having lived down my life. Um, what do you think were the main sort of issues going into uh, the campaign? Because, of course, um, last time we spoke to you, uh, when you were uh, standing initially, um we didn't have the uh, <laughs> the same amount of uh, things going on with coronavirus and the pandemic that have obviously uh, happened subsequently. Um, were those the, the the kind of things that were really resonating, or the, were there other things that were uh, on the uh, agenda as well in terms of local issues like potholes, etc.? So I think it was obviously a mix of the two um, between different people. The priorities were different. The main thing that changed this aspect was the vaccine. Mm. Uh, people were kind of be relieved uh, as we all are to be able to get the vaccine. I, mean, I think the day my parents got it was just amazing and to be able to see them get a bit of protection from the coronavirus was, yeah. was, was an amazing day. I think a lot of people associated that with, with the Conservatives as a governing mm. party, just as they did with us in, in Wales for, for Welsh Labour. So that made it a bit more challenging. I remember someone said, I want to vote for, for the Tories because to say thank you to Boris for the vaccine. Mm. Um, so that was an added dimension to, um, to the campaign. But equally, there was lots of local issues. And I think people want to discuss things that are going on in their neighbourhood, in their street, in their broader area. So I think that certainly resonated. And maybe that was increased because of lockdown and people became a lot more aware of, you know, going on walks within their area, meeting neighbours that didn't, well, you know, socially distanced mm-hmm. meeting neighbours when they're clapping, um, <laughs> that they didn't know that they knew. So there was that added dimension. So I think it was a very different election than it would have been in 2020, mm. uh, had they been allowed to take place, so um, I think that certainly played a played a played a factor. Um, now, of course, um, also uh, happening in in your part of the world this year was the uh, Greater Manchester mayoral election. Um, to what extent do you think that um, the popularity of um, Andy Burnham helped Labour candidates in your part of the world? Big time. Um, I mean, Andy came up to, to Unsworth to campaign for me and it was like having a rock star. Uh, it was amazing. It was like people, we stood in an area where there's a hairdresser and things. People were coming out halfway through there, uh, getting their hair done to go and say, say hi to him. And people were saying things like, oh no, I always vote for you, but I vote for you. Um, I think a few of that, you know, a decent enough proportion would have voted down the ticket, if you like, um, for local Labour candidates. But equally, 
it's difficult to measure it because he won every award in Greater Manchester. Mm. There are some awards in Bury that on the night we lost by twelve hundred. Mm. Um, so even so, with that considered, it's quite difficult to measure it. But I had Andy on every single piece of literature that I put out. Um, very, very nice endorsement, and you know we are going to work together for Unsworth so uh, as part of that Labour team. So Burnham was definitely a, a big factor uh, in the campaign. So going forward, obviously, you've just been um, elected as a councillor. What are your um, main concerns um, going forward that you want to represent on the council? Is, is there anything um, in particular um, that you've thought about during the campaign? Because obviously the campaign has been a, a longer period than it would normally uh, have, have been, given the, the lockdown and the coronavirus, etc. That, that you really are passionate about implementing as a as a newly elected councillor. So I think there's issues about parking uh, that are specific to the ward, um, things about local parks and um, roads and things that I, I want to get focused on, on locally. I think more broadly, it's about being a champion for Unsworth within the town hall, mm. um, and basically saying to the council officers and members of staff and also the, the council leadership. You need to deliver for Unsworth. Uh, we need to get um, a fair deal, uh, and we need to make sure that you know when, when things go to the rest of the borough that Unsworth is is focused on, and it might be prioritised. Um, and that's what that's what I'll do. So whenever there's future schemes, uh, funding that are coming up to make sure we get our, our, our fair share, and also more broadly to to be listening to residents for, for for what they think our priorities should be, and ensuring that we have I continue to have that dialogue and, and that communication. So I've picked up a number of casework issues that I've been dealing with and I've picked up on the campaign uh, but if people have, have future issues that they get in touch and, and, and I'm a champion for them listen to them and, and try, try to help them. Uh, now on the council um, you're the uh, deputy cabinet minister uh, for um, environment climate change and operations what exactly does that involve and what sort of environmental concerns do you think uh, there are in regards to Bury at the moment? Sure. So it means sitting in various meetings and committees and things. I'm very lucky to be under a, a very effective cabinet member called Alan Quinn. He's very passionate about similar things I am about the environment. Um, there's lots of things going on about tree planting. Um, that's something that Alan's been leading on over a number of years. Uh, and we're really getting some progress on on locally so to make sure we have that, which obviously makes a, makes a big deal to the environment. Uh, trying to encourage active travel. So that's where the operation side links with uh, the environment side. So I make sure that if people want to have that they have the opportunities to do walking and cycling um, I think walking is certainly um, it's gone up the agenda given given lockdown and um, trying to help part of the, the cycle, walking and cycling forums so which keep their aims locally and Chris Boardman is leading that from a great Manchester level um, which is a really really exciting really exciting change um, you know it's, it's a very big brief it's probably the biggest on the council so um, Alan gives me freedom to, to to pick up bits, which is which is great, and also to be honest, you know, ensuring that from 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 what goes on operationally or with environment and climate change, that Unsworth gets its fair share as well to make sure that you know I'm first and foremost the councillor for Unsworth. Um, now, obviously, as we've mentioned, there has been a, a certain amount of um, vaccine boost for the Conservatives uh, of late, and that was seen to an extent in the local uh, elections. To what degree do you think that going forward that the Labour Party has to perhaps change its approach regarding the government and regarding um, the way that the vaccine scheme has been rolled out with? Do you think that perhaps 
Labour should have been more critical of the government? How do you think that they should have responded to the vaccine scheme and the support that it seems to have given to the Conservatives? No, it's, it's a really interesting question. I think that what the party, what we needed to do was have a strong, consistent narrative throughout the pandemic. So um been saying in you know May and June last year, as soon as we were getting out of the first set of restrictions, we need a plan for a vaccine. Um, so the Labour was championing that uh, as well um, to ensure that that plan and preparation was in there because the NHS has done an amazing job uh, and we need to, you know, all be appreciative of that. It's made a massive difference to our country. But there were the first few weeks of the vaccine where we were worried about supply, we were worried about getting a certain distribution. So if we'd have that plan in place from June to say, here's when the over 80s are going to get it, here's the medical practice which they're going to get it, and here's what you know, here's what's going to happen. And then that would have been, that would have helped. So if Labour was seen as consistently part of that. I also think that as soon as the vaccine started to be rolled out, they, we should have run a bipartisan campaign with the government about vaccine take-up, uh, about the rollout, uh, and just been seen to be a part of that. So it's not seen as certainly a party political thing, which isn't. The government plays this role, but it's an NHS thing. The scientists have done an amazing job who are political by any means. So I think we should have, we should have worked with them in terms of the, the, the rollout, in terms of spreading awareness about the benefits of vaccines, and been championing that for a long time before that. Um, yeah, ultimately, it's not... This is something that's in the national interest. It shouldn't mm. be that difficult to do that, uh, and that's what I feel we should have done. In terms of um, the way that the results reflect on um, Keir Starmer's leadership, what do you think that they say about his uh, leadership and what do you think he can go um, forward with in terms of improvements to make people perhaps respond more to him and more to the Labour Party? Yeah, I I think what it shows is we need a clear and consistent message Mm. um, to give to activists to show our values and our policies to the voters and um, I think in spite of some of the good things that he's done in the last year that has been absent mm-hmm. um, you know where is his policies on on, on crime and, and and tackling the causes of it mm-hmm. he might well have them uh, I mean Stephen Bush wrote an article last week in which he said they have loads of policies but they're just not communicating them um, I, it was nice to hear because I, mean, I wasn't aware of that substance of policy so it, it, it's primarily a communications thing Um if the policies are in place, uh, to make sure that people know about them, people are aware about them, and just be drilling home consistently uh, 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 about various things. I think the environment as well, I think people uh, are appreciative of their local environment after lockdown and, and, and the pandemic and everything. So to make sure that we campaign the green recovery and people know that's our dividing line with the government is about environmental issues. And they are trying to, to come onto our lawn a little bit on those issues, but mm. I think there's always going to be a limit to, to what they do um, because they're ambitious enough to grasp the scale of the problem. So if Labour is able to do that and continue to emphasise the importance of that, that will certainly help. Uh, Now, of course, um, another uh, disappointing result for um, Labour in the last set of elections was the Hartlepool uh, by-election, which, of course, went to the Conservatives. Do you think that there is a a discernible uh, difference between, say, Hartlepool, which of course is the in the northeast, and uh, uh, Manchester and Lancashire, which obviously is in the northwest. In terms of support uh, for the Labour Party, do you think that there is a particular reason that perhaps Labour support is is stronger in uh, in Manchester and the northwest than perhaps it is in the northeast at the moment, or do you think that 
the Hartlepool result was purely a result of the uh, vaccination programme and not necessarily uh, part of a, a shift away in that particular area from the Labour Party. It's a really interesting question, but I do think that all the vaccine units are is certainly part of a, a wider shift. Mm. Uh, and we've got to look at the challenges of seats in which we finish, we, we won in 2019, but the Brexit Party, voting the Tory combined, would be able to, to mm. take us out. So that in itself is a challenge. Um, I think it's an interesting thing about the North East and the North West in terms of um, the fact that our, our support has stayed more solid mm. here comparatively. Um, for instance, in the 2019 European elections, we had um, more, we had a better result here than we did in, in basically all the rest of the country. And I think that was a Lib Dem vote in parts of London, et cetera, but in North East, it's largely to the Brexit party. Um, so there's something interesting about the country's sort of East-West divide politically. Um, you know the, the northwest, and obviously we've seen the southwest with um, with the, the west of England Mountie. Admittedly, the, you know, the Cambridge Mountie went as well. But is there an east-west divide within the country in terms of there's a politics? Something worth looking into. Um, but potentially, I mean, some of the models that we have within the northwest, within the Labour Party, can be replicated in the northeast in terms of what we do in terms of community organising. I, I should hope that we can work together um, alongside it. So I think the interesting thing about the, the northeast and goes to the core of the Red Wall thesis is that a lot of those areas demographically would have been voting Conservative. Mm. Um, if they're in the south of England, they likely would have voted Conservative for years before that, possibly since 2010. So it was almost the, the lifting of that cultural allergy to the Tory party in, over, over a number of years that, that, that's come to force. And um, we've got to try and, you know, uh, fight against that and to be fair I think that that, that cultural allergy as I've described it comes from a belief that the Tory party fundamentally doesn't care about mm. those areas doesn't care about our area here um, and I think that will showcase you know that, that that's not changed and mm. um, it might change some of their rhetoric but that certainly remains the case um, and we saw that with the free school meals debacle um, mm. last autumn that their their values are still in place and all the communication certainly got better um, their values and their, and their policies still remain intact. Uh, in terms of, you mentioned the Brexit party there, in terms of um, Brexit, how much of an issue do you still think it is in British politics? And do you think that, you know, on a, a local council level, you will have to be dealing with the, the repercussions of Brexit? Or do you think that it's more of a, a, uh, a Westminster issue at the moment? So I don't think it's... Um, it's really an issue on the doors uh, at all um, in its own right. I think a lot of people thought, you know, think rightly so the Brexit was done um, on the 31st of January 2020 and effectively haven't paid much attention to, to the negotiations and shantanagans since then. So um, almost if people are bringing up Brexit, they, you know, that would be a bit weird because mm. it's done. Yeah. Um, obviously there are some complicated um, things that have come out since then in terms of Northern Ireland and things, but they're, they're not as prominent an issue, certainly as it was in 2019 and in the years before then. Um, where it is interesting is some of the divides that Brexit engendered still remain, um, but they're not, they're not Brexit-specific um, divides, although they do often take a similar character. Looking forward to the um, next general election, what do you think are going to be uh, the major concerns uh, for the Labour Party in terms of not just um, issues specifically, but the kind of policies that you think that Labour should be putting forward at the next general election? 
for me, it's about green recovery. Um, we'll still be within the midst of the recovery in the next election. I think it'll be 2023, personally. Uh, but even if it's 24, we'll still be recovering from the pandemic because it'll take that mm. long. So it's emphasised having green recovery, having a fair recovery. Uh, it doesn't just prioritise London and the South East and the top 1%, but it's distributed across the country. Um, I think that emphasises care. Um, you know, that through the pandemic, we have seen community resilience, um, people caring for one another, to, to put that right at the heart of our politics. Mm. Um, it can often be seen as abstract, but it is tangible to, to local communities and social care. You know, the government's showing no willingness to tackle that. Um, you know, I think public services will still be fighting from the, or recovering from the issues of the pandemic mm. um, by the time of the next election, so making that front and centre. And also crime. I think crime is a real avenue for Labour Party to showcase what we're going to do in terms of investing in the public services because it is the causes of crime as well, but also the fact that, you know, Keir Starmer was director of public prosecutions, mm. showing that you know, the Labour Party is, isn't afraid from tackling, tackling crime and making that prominent issue. And that perhaps more importantly, the government has got 20,000 police officers and now bringing some of those back, but it's, it's a mirage and they don't really care about crime in his because it doesn't affect them, you know, they've got their anti-burglary alarms yeah. and stuff with the Tory party. So it, it really, you know, antisocial behaviour has a massive impact on communities and I don't think the Tory party have got to grasp with that. It's an issue where traditionally we have been behind on, but we also say that we can't shift that to the next election, but it's, you know, it's public services, it's green recovery, care, uh, and obviously crime as well. Mm. Uh, now, the last time um, we spoke, we spoke about the possibility of... Um, how the relationship would pan out between uh, Joe Biden and uh, Boris Johnson. Um, there doesn't seem to be at the moment a particularly uh, close, uh, special relationship between uh, Joe Biden and Boris Johnson. Do you think that there is an opportunity here for Keir Starmer to um, engage with Joe Biden and the new Democratic administration and through that to build more of a, a profile as a potential uh, future world leader? So I think there is historic precedent for that, for the relationship between the US president and the leader of the opposition to be, to be strong. Um, I think in terms of Joe Biden winning against a, a populist white leader provides a format for us uh, as a Labour Party, especially the work that was going on in terms of community organising. I think that's massive. Um, it's an underrated um, thing in, within, within all of British politics, but it does provide us a, a platform or, or something to, to parallel. And certainly that opportunity can, can be forged. I mean, Boris Johnson looks incredibly unserious on, on an international stage, and the more that's emphasized, then you know, the, the, the better that is for the Labour Party, so, so certainly. Um, we're coming towards the end of uh, the podcast. It's been great to speak to you, as always, Nathan. And I've got one final question. Um, now, as things are um, getting better in terms of uh, coronavirus and the pandemic, and of course we've discussed uh, vaccination and uh, things seem to be going in the right direction there, um, what kind of things will you be looking forward to being able to do once things are back to a, a certain state of normality? Really looking forward to the Euros and uh, watching some of the games, games, games with my friends. Um, hopefully getting back into uh, the Emirates Stadium, which would be good. Although the level of football at the moment isn't, uh, isn't too good for my team. <laughs> um, but certainly live sport would be the big, be the big thing for me. Excellent. Um, thank you once again for coming on the podcast. If people want to find out uh, more about you and potentially uh, get in contact with you, uh, where should they go? Sure. I'm on Twitter at Nathan uh, NC Baroda, and they can follow Underworld Labour on Facebook and, um, and get in contact with me there. Uh, that way, uh, thanks again for having me, Will. It's a real pleasure as always. 
Excellent. Thank you once again for coming on. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you've enjoyed it, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbeam, and Amazon Music. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Debated Podcast, like us on Facebook, Debated Podcast, and if you'd like to get in touch with us, whether about appearing on an episode of the podcast or commenting on an episode that you've listened to, you can do so at thedebatedpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. I hope you listen to the next one.